Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. Black thing go from left to right, and I thought, I'm going to die out here. No one's ever going to know. I couldn't believe what my eyeballs were showing me. I'll never forget how evil the eyes were. It was horrible. I mean, I've never seen nothing that evil. It ran towards me at at a rate that I, I I can't even explain. Turned and stared at me, and this look of I just want to kill you. I want to say it was human, but it wasn't. He was he was he was yelling at me to grab a gun, grab a gun. I was like, for what? He said, just grab a gun. And there's footprints all the way to the door of my house. It had went inside my garage all the way to the door. 911, what are you reporting? Jesus Christ, you better... Sir? Yeah. See ya. Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine. I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh-oh. You're listening to Sasquatch Chronicles. Check us out online at sasquatchchronicles.com. If you've had an encounter, email me. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Got a great show planned for you this evening. Got uh, several witnesses coming up. I know I'll be having Linda on. And Linda had a very interesting encounter when she was young on a mini bike. Uh, Her and her cousin saw one of these creatures pop up over a brush and watch them. Uh, Interesting, interesting account. And I'll also be having uh, Tim Kumbo Baker on. He's from the Bigfoot Outlaw Radio and we'll be talking about infrasound tonight along with um, <laughs> any other questions I can sneak in and ask him. Uh, but you know, infrasound and Sasquatch, there's kind of a debate going out there whether they give off infrasound. If you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. I can't believe I'm at 300 shows. You know, when I very first started doing this, Uh, I honestly thought, I hope I can at least put out five shows uh, that people will actually listen to. And to hit 300 is a huge milestone for me. It means a lot to me. I want to take a moment to thank all of the listeners, uh, not only in the United States, but in the UK, Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand, all of the people who take time to listen to the show You know, I get a lot of nice emails from people and and just thank you so much to everyone who's ever sent me a kind word. I absolutely love this. I never dreamed I'd be doing this for a living. 
Uh, you know, I was just a dumb guy that stacked lumber, and I found myself thrust into this position, and I uh, absolutely love it. I love talking to people about their encounters. And again, if, if you've had any sort of encounter, shoot me an email. Again, it's Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. But I also want to thank all of my past guests who've ever been on the show. Uh, you guys you guys and gals really are the ones that make the show. It's not you know so much anything that I'm doing. Uh, you guys make the show. And I want to thank uh, past and actually future guests uh, for taking the time to come out and talk about your encounters. Uh, it's it's been it's been a great ride and I just I I don't even know what else to say uh, but thank you thank you so much before we jump into it tonight I want to welcome uh, Tony to the show Tony's been working on his own podcast called the Confessionals and I've been kind of helping Tony get that up and running and he's doing a great job with it uh, Tony welcome to the show thanks so much for being here thanks for having me Wes. And tell us about the uh, podcast, The Confessionals, that you're doing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's called The Confessionals, and uh, it's kind of funny how it all came together. I, I run a group on Facebook called Pennsylvania Sasquatch Research. Last year, I was on my vacation, and uh, instead of watching paint dry, I figured I'd do something productive. <laughs> and <laughs> I decided to uh, start a YouTube channel. And so I started putting up videos and stuff of how... You know, just different things that I think of when it comes to Sasquatch and things like that. I just started thinking about how I have all these people that tell me the encounters that they've had. Up to that point, I hadn't really um, recorded it in any way, shape, or form. So I just came up with this one, this idea called the Confessionals. And I just started. What I first started doing was I would take my cell phone and I just record our conversation on the cell phone. And uh, then I just put like intro music, outro music, and throw it up there. And it, it was going okay and stuff, and people were listening to it, and some of the shows had a couple thousand views, and uh, I was pretty excited about it, but um, I really wasn't taking it too serious. And uh, then one day, you actually reached out to me and uh, said that you saw the show, and you thought that it had potential if I took it a little more serious. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to give this a shot, and I'm going to put it into a full-blown podcast mode. And uh, that's what I did. And I had a little bit of experience with a little bit of audio production and stuff. I've been messing around with it since I was a teenager. So it, that part of it wasn't much of a challenge for me. I knew if I decided to do something like this, I'd be able to put on you know, a quality show. But um, what I was a little concerned about was just putting a show together from beginning to end that entertained people and also informed them. But uh, so far, it's coming together pretty well. My first show was uh, a Sasquatch encounter. It, um, a guy named Tom in western Pennsylvania. He is a farmer. He owns two different farms. And last year in August, he was setting up a blind for uh, hunting season. And he saw, well, first of all, he, he heard sounds. like He heard like grunting. And it, he didn't really pay much of mind to it, but it kind of got more and more aggressive. And it actually wound up escorting him out of the woods where he got in his truck. And I think he said when he looked in his mirror, he actually saw the body standing there swaying between between trees and so that was his first encounter and you know he freaked out about it and all that went back home and talked to people and nobody really wanted to talk to him about it and uh his second encounter was later that year in december he was actually in a tree stand hunting and um a female came busting out of the bushes uh running away from something he said she looked really like upset 
And uh, he said he got a great look at the body. And actually, he said um, he couldn't really go any higher than the breasts. He said once his 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 uh, scope caught the breasts, he said he couldn't stop looking at that area because it was so real to him. And he said he couldn't believe what he was seeing. And so in that short amount of time from August to December, he saw two of these things uh, that he never thought existed. Uh, he spent his entire life out there farming the land and he never thought these things were out there. And since then he's just been totally consumed with it. So that show is actually a pretty good show. Um, but since then I've been taking different encounters, you know, UFO encounters uh, we actually just had a Nephilim show last week, and that was a pretty good show. I had a uh, a biblical professor come over to my house and record in studio with me, so the audio clarity was a lot better for that show. And uh, it was a very interesting show, though. I th- I very much encourage people to check it out. It was a good one. I enjoyed that one, and I'm glad you're doing it. You know, there's very few podcasts out there, like I said, that I listen to because they're so terrible. Uh, most people, it's just a lot of hand wringing, a lot of patting on the back, a lot of, and, you know, I mean, no one really wants to hear that. People want to get to the encounters. And I, you know, I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the Nephilim show. I thought the guy you had on was pretty good. I I wish you success in it, man. You do a great job. And uh, I really, I really do enjoy it. The only advice they'd give you is just treat people the way you'd want to be treated. As you grow and you do this and you talk to people, uh, you start finding out real quick if you treat people with respect and everything else, and I know you always do. Uh, they'll they'll treat you the same way back. But if people, if you get a chance, check it out. It's the Confessionals. You can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, a lot of different podcast players. I know he's on Blog Talk. Uh, definitely check it out. You know, people can also go to the website. I have a website now. When I first started it, we didn't have a website, but I see the importance of having that. So. The website is theconfessionalspodcast.com, and there you'll be able to um, listen to the shows, and I have like a story section of how this all kind of came about, and uh, a section of the team where it's me, my wife, and a buddy of mine for now, Uh, but yeah, just check out the website, and you'll probably get all the information you need there. Perfect, and it's theconfessionalspodcast.com? Yes. Check it out if you get a chance. Definitely highly recommended to uh, listen to it. I really enjoy it. Tony, thanks again. Thanks, Wes. The Confessionals Podcast. Definitely check it out. Uh, well, let's jump into it tonight. I want to welcome Linda on the show. And Linda had her encounter in Michigan. Linda, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. And if you would, kind of start from the beginning. I know you had an encounter when you were young on the uh, mini bike. To kind of walk us into that encounter. Tell us what you're out doing and, and walk us into what happened. Okay. Well, um, this was in uh, Midland County, Michigan, and I was at my aunt and my step-uncle's house, and we were there for summer vacation, and my cousins and myself were all out in the backyard, and they were all excited. They had let me, let me know that um, they got a minibike. And our parents all took off for a drive somewhere, and we decided to take turns on the mini bike. And they had a trail that went out in the woods behind the house, and we would take turns riding the mini bike back there. And when it was my turn to get on the bike, I rode with my step cousin Kathy. Kathy was driving the mini bike, and I was behind her. Um, I had never driven any type of motorcycle or anything before, so. Um, anyway, 
uh, we got going down the trail. It's kind of, I'm not exactly sure how many yards, because I can't really remember. This was back in about 1978. This was in July. In the summertime, it was a real nice, clear, sunny day out. Um, wasn't overcast or anything like that. And we got going down the trail on the mini bike. And when we got to the clearing, they had this clearing back there, and they called it the turnaround. And it was kind of like the whole trail and the turnaround was kind of like shaped like if you can picture the number nine. And as soon as you get into the clearing, you go for a few feet, and it, it curves around in a circle to the left, and then you go around the circle, then you go back down the trail. Well, when we got into the clearing, uh, right straight ahead in front of me, I looked up, and above these bushes, I think they were blueberry bushes, um, but the bushes were probably, I'm going to say probably six, six and a half, six foot two. I'm not sure exactly, you know, how many, how tall they were, but we, when, after I talked to my cousins about it, they all agreed that those bushes were at least six foot tall. But right above those bushes, there was a head of uh, a creature uh, watching us, looking at us as we're coming into this clearing. I looked up, and there it was. And it was just like frozen. It had like a frozen, you know, it didn't twitch, it didn't move, it, but it was looking at us. And then just like this all happened really fast, like in that split second. Um, I think Kathy must have saw it the same time I did because she turned the bike over on us and I burnt my leg on the muffler. It went right on my left leg. We, of course, we all had shorts on. It was summertime while I had shorts on. But, um, and we didn't say anything. We just both jumped back up and got the bike back up and got on the bike. <laughs> and we took off out of there and we went back. And, you know, I was just, I was in shock. And I, I'm sure she was in shock, too, because when we got back and got off the bike and we started taking our helmets off, I, I asked her, I said, did you did you just see what I saw? And she said, yes, yeah, she saw it, but she didn't want to talk about it. And she, I could tell she was upset, and she went in the house. And uh, now after that, of course, the other the next two kids were ready to take the bike from us, and they just took the bike from us and took off back there down the trail. Um, and by the time they had come back, uh, they didn't say anything. None of the other kids said anything about seeing anything that day. And I didn't say anything to them because after, you know, the response I got from her and after I, first of all, I was in shock and I didn't really know what I had saw. I know what I, I know what it wasn't, but I don't know, I didn't know what it was, you know, at the time. Um, and the thing that I remember most about this thing was its eyes. And you could tell it was a lot that it was alive just from the, like the light in its eyes, that it was a real live thing, you know, looking at you. And I know it was really big and it was real dark, almost like a dark brown black. It had, um, more like a round head. It didn't have any hair on its face, like around its eyes and nose and mouth. It, it looked smooth. The skin looked smooth, and it looked real dark, almost black. And it kind of had, its nose was flat. It had a big nose, but it was flat. Now, I don't remember seeing the nostrils. It was more like the nose went down where you couldn't see the nostrils, but it was a, quite a huge nose. 
and it had a big, wide mouth, um, and it did not show any teeth. It had its mouth closed. It just had its, um, you know, it had a real long, I guess, lip line. I'm not sure how to describe it. Um, but its eyes were huge. It had great, big, round eyes, and they were dark, like a real dark brown, uh, almost black. And <clears throat> when I got on the back of the bike and we took off out of there, I didn't even turn around. Neither one of us, we, we, I didn't even turn around and look back. You know, the whole time we were peeling out of there and getting out of that turnaround and going back down the trail, the thought did cross my mind in that split second that, you know, this thing could come and rip me off this bike if it wanted to. And But I couldn't turn around. I, uh, I just got the instinctive feeling, and I think we both probably did, that the best thing to do in that split second when we turned the bike over was just get back on the bike and just get out of there and not, you know, like make a fuss about it or kind of kind of just act like we didn't see what we just saw. I can imagine. I can imagine. I wanted to ask you, Linda, for someone, let's say the term Bigfoot and Sasquatch didn't exist, and you're coming down this trail, are you on the backseat of, of her mini bike, or are you on your own? No, I'm I'm on the same mini bike. There's only one mini bike, so I gotcha. we had I gotcha. to take turns, yeah. And since I had never ridden or driven the bike before, yeah. um, I kind of think that's probably why they didn't let me try to take off on it on my own. Um, and I was on the back with Kathy, and Kathy was in front of me. She was driving. I got you. She actually was driving. I was sitting on the back. Of course, we were all, I was like 13. This was back in 1978, so I was probably like 13. I'm guessing 13 or so. So I, <laughs> we were all, you know, younger then and smaller, so two of us could get on back then. You know, I've got pictures I took that day, and uh, not of myself, but I have pictures of uh, the other kids on the bike, and it looked, and uh, my cousin Lori and um, their friend Roger. Um, I have a picture of them on the mini bike together, and uh, it was a night. You could see it was a nice sunny day that day. Um, the bad thing about the pictures is they don't tell you like what year or date and time right. on the picture. Yeah. And I I think that the pictures were taken with a 110, a Kodak 110 uh, pocket camera because it was a camera that I had that. My parents had bought me for Christmas, um, the Christmas before, and uh, I was out taking pictures of my camera. It was my camera. Um, So, you know, I got the film developed and everything. But I guess back then not everything, you know, when you got film developed, not everything told you that information. So that's why I'm not sure if it was 78 or if it was 77, but I'm pretty sure it was 1978. After a couple years of living in that house, where this happened, they moved out, and my aunt and my step-uncle bought a piece of property um, in Midland County, but in a different area, and built a house, actually built a house. Um, and that house where this happened at, um, it's still there today. And actually, last summer, we were all talking about this and decided to go for a drive out there because we were curious to see if the house was still standing or if anyone was living in this house. Um, and we actually drove by this house, and it looked like the house was empty. It didn't look like anyone was living there, and it wasn't for sale. And it was just really creepy <laughs> to, to look at the place. It's all overgrown in the back. And you can see where the, the woods and everything have grown up. Toward, uh, it doesn't have as much of a backyard as it did uh, when they lived there. 
Let me ask you, let's say, let's pretend for a moment the term Sasquatch and Bigfoot doesn't exist, and no one knows a description of what these creatures look like. For For someone like that, if you were explaining to them what you saw, how would you explain to them what you ran into? Well, when I got back to the house and I thought about that about what, and was trying to think of what I just saw, um, of course, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, like a big gorilla because of the face, because of the face being, you know, smooth um, and the nose being flat and everything like that because... I didn't know what I had saw, but in my mind, I think I was trying to find an explanation to what I had saw. So I think that was probably the first thing that came to my mind was like a big gorilla. Even though it, <laughs> even though I knew that it didn't really make sense for there to be a big gorilla back there, um, you know, in the woods like that. That I think that's I. If I had to describe it as close to something that an animal that I know, I would say a gorilla. I gotcha, and it's interesting too when you run into it, uh, how people react. You know, sometimes people will flip out when they run into these things, and they'll tell everyone in the world that they ran into them. And then sometimes people won't say anything for years about running into these things. When you got back to the house, did you talk to anyone about what you saw? No, only Kathy. I asked her if she saw what I saw back there because I wanted, I wanted, I mean, when you see something like that and you've never had an experience like that before and you, when you're looking at something and you don't really know what it is because it's something you've never seen before in your life and you just, you right away, you know, like, okay, this, whatever this is, it's not like normal. It's not in my normal uh, existence for this to be happening. Um, I wanted to know if Kathy saw what I saw. Because I'm, I'm thinking, am I crazy? You know, and I know she saw it because she said she saw it, but she didn't want to talk about it. So after that, I didn't talk to anybody else about it for many years. Um, it was quite a few years before I discussed it with uh, my other cousins that were there that day. Um, and I don't even remember what, well, what brought it up was my boy cousin that was there that day, my cousin Jim. He actually brought it up um, because years later we had a conversation one night and he was telling us about this thing that he saw him and his friend Roger um, was walking down the road out in that area. And I probably they had gone to the store or something. Uh, anywhere you had to go, anywhere they had to go, they had to go on foot or ride their bikes. You know, back then, you know, parents didn't take you to the store and that kind of thing. You either walked or... You know, you rode your bike, and he said he, that um, they were walking down the road, and there was an apple orchard, and I'm not sure how far the apple orchard was off the road, but, I mean, it was a ways. And they stopped, and they saw what at first what they had thought was a bear uh, picking apples off an apple tree at, out in this orchard. Well, they stopped talking and stopped and started watching it, and then he said, all of a sudden, this thing started walking on two legs and, like, walking to another tree and continued to pick apples off the apple tree. And he said that's when he realized, uh, well, this isn't a bear because bears don't continue to walk on, you know, two legs like that. So I think they were, he said he felt like they were in shock. And all of a sudden, his friend was like, well, I got to get home. I got homework to do. I guess, and so his friend went ahead and 
started taking off, so he took off too because then they got kind of, I think he was freaked out. They couldn't explain what they were seeing, but they knew they knew it wasn't a bear because bears don't walk around like that, he said. And so you actually spoke with him about what you yeah, said? Yeah, I spoke with him. It was, there was a, uh, him and his sister who both were there that day, you know, when we rode the mini bike when we were younger. Um, she's the same age I am, and he's a year older than we are. And we were all at her house one night, and we were all talking about this. And when he brought that up, then I brought up what happened, of course, on the mini bike that day, and we talked about that. And they were like, how come, Lori's like, how come you never, you know, you never said anything that day to us? And and I said, well, you know, honestly, I said the the way it was back then, I said, I think I thought you guys would just make fun of me, you know, and tease me if I said anything. And... I don't. I didn't really feel like anybody would probably believe me. Um, back at you know, we were like thirteen and fourteen, and back at that age, everybody teased everybody. Yeah, you know, yeah. we were kids, and that's you know, that's the way it was. And you know, if you came up with any type of story like that, you were going to get teased. That's that's the way it was. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, so, and I can understand that. I can understand. Yeah. That. You know, not really sharing what you saw. I wanted to ask you. Yeah. So, you guys are riding down on the mini bikes. This thing pops up. What is it from about the chest up? Is what you're seeing? All we could see was its head. Its head, okay. Yeah, I seen the full head of it, and I don't remember seeing a neck or shoulders. Um, all I could see was a full head above the bushes, and I don't think I think it just popped up because as we came into the clear, actually came into the clearing, I didn't see it until after we already got into the clearing, and all of a sudden it was there. And it's kind of a straightaway when you go into that clearing. So that's what kind of lead, when I think back about it, I think, you know, I don't think it was there like before. I think it just popped up. And I really don't feel, I, I kind of find it hard to believe that it was there. Uh, and we weren't the first ones back there on that bike. A couple of, of the other kids had already went back there. Uh, so there was a couple runs that were made before we got, before Kathy and I went back there. So, of course, I didn't think about any of this at the time, but now that I'm older and I think back to that day, um, I, I think, you know, why, you know, why was the, what, why was the thing there? You know, what was it doing there? Why would it show up when we were on that mini bike? And I kind of feel like maybe it was curious because it heard the noise from the mini bike. So it wanted to, maybe it was trying to assess a threat to see if we were a threat to it. I, you know, I guess I just don't know. I can't say, but that's what I kind of feel like. Because if it wanted to, it could have charged us and it, it could have tore us right off that bike. But it didn't, you know. So it's interesting. I've had other witnesses on the show that were riding motorcycles or dirt bikes, and then Sasquatch seems to show up. Uh, it's interesting when they do that, and you wonder why they do that. You know, if it's, um, uh, it makes me wonder if it's. Uh, the noise of the bike that startles him or if it's curiosity. I wanted to ask you when it popped its head up and I was looking over the bushes at you guys, did the expression ever change or did no. it, did it have an expression on its face? No, it, it had its mouth shut and it's, you could see the lips and I, I could, I mean, I was probably five, 10, 15. I'll bet you we were 15 foot from this thing. I mean, if you went into the clearing I mean, it, this thing was it was like right there, so I got like a real close-up look of, at this thing's face and its head, and it was just like stock still, sta- you know, watching us like it was frozen, had like a frozen uh, look, 
on its face. Like it, it didn't like a, I don't know. I, I kind of get the feeling that it didn't really want us to see it or that it, for some reason, it thought that if it stood still, we wouldn't notice it, which I kind of think is absurd because my cousin Lori, when I talked to her about it and she told me about her experiences um, at, at that same house back there, when she walked through those woods. There was a trail that went all the way through those woods out to the other um, the other road, and she had uh, walked through those woods, and she saw it out there also when she was on foot by herself. And she told me that she thought it was strange, too, because she said it did the same thing then that it did what I described. Like, when she saw it, she saw it from the side. It was, like, from a side view. And she said that she she felt like she knew that it saw her and it knew it was that she was there, but it stood like really frozen still and it didn't move a muscle. So I asked her what she did, and she said she just kept walking and pretended like she didn't try to act like she didn't see it, and just walked as fast as she could and got out of there. That's really interesting. You know, I had a, a witness on I interviewed, gosh, probably a couple of years ago. And he was talking about walking and seeing the Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch would, um, when it stepped out in front of him, and he's only 30, 40 feet away from this thing, he said it, 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 it's like it was pretending to be a tree. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said it just stood really still. It just reminded him of like freeze tag. When you see a kid that gets in freeze tag, it just stands there real still like you're not going to see it. And he's only 30, 40 feet away from this thing. And it just kind of stood still like a statue and waited for him to to pass by. So that's interesting. I mean, you do hear that behavior from these things. Uh, did Lori give you any details about what she saw? Did she go into any sort of... Yep. It, she described the face, like from what she could see, um, see from the side, from the side and, and the color. And it was probably about, she thought it was probably about good seven, at least seven feet tall. Um, so we kind of think that we kind of feel like what we saw, we might've saw the same one from the color of the fur and everything that, uh, it's hair, but from what she told me, it kind of matched, you know, what I saw. That's the way I felt about it anyway. Uh, of course, you know, what the boys saw when they were walking down the road, nobody really knows because it was out in a field picking apples and, um, and it was probably, I don't really know how far I'd have to ask them. But it was far enough out where they couldn't probably get details, you know, of its face or anything. But they obviously could tell it was not a person um, since it was this big, you know, black-looking furry thing on two feet. <laughs> you know, I can't. I just can't even imagine uh, walking down the road and seeing something like that walking around on two feet. And you think at first you think it's a bear. Um, you know, we have black bear here. We have cougars. We've got a lot of critters here. The, the area where this uh, house is at in rural Midland County, uh, if you look at um, like a satellite view in this county, oh, there's a lot of farms. In the middle, if you look, you'll see there's a lot of like big patches of woods in the middle of farmlands. Like there'll be a corn field and then there'll be like a patch of woods and another field. So there's a lot of farmland out there and all around these woods where this happened, there were fields, farm farm fields. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess I want to say there's a lot of people and there's a lot of houses, but at the same time, there's a lot of farm fields and a lot of patches of woods where something definitely could, I guess, be traveling through. Um, We have a lot of rivers and creeks and stuff like that here. 
Let me ask you, I know you had a second encounter, but before we get into that, if someone were to ask you, Linda, what do you think that these things are? And again, there's no wrong answer. What would you say to them? I think they're, um, like DNA-wise, I think they're, I think they have both uh, primate and human DNA. I think, I, I suspect that they may even be like some type of genetic experiment. And I'm not going to, you know, of course, I'm not going to say it's the government because I don't know if it's the government or, you know, something out of this world. But I, you know, I of course, I might be wrong, but I feel that these things have been here. I mean, when I was younger, like I was telling you earlier, when I lived in Oklahoma, we didn't have cable TV. So we didn't have Internet. We didn't have cable and the only thing that I had saw before that happened in that summer when we were on the mini bike, um, remotely about Bigfoot or Sasquatch, was uh, if you remember that movie, The Monster of Boggy Creek. Well, I believe it came out in 1975 or 76, um, and we lived on Guam at the time, and I went and saw that movie. And of course, at that time, even with that movie, I don't recall that those words. Uh, those descriptions being mentioned, you know. Uh, so we weren't, uh, back then we weren't really uh, aware of the things that, like I'm aware of now, you know, because of the Internet, your show, um, the things you can see now on TV, other people's work and research. You know, I guess I'm more aware now, and I kind of feel like these things are have, are something they've probably been around uh, for a long, long time, because if you listen to the Indians, the Native Americans, um, they can all tell you stories uh, about these things that go way, way, way back, certainly before I was ever born. So I think this is this is probably, some, probably something that's been here for a lot longer than people realize, is what I think. Yeah. Um, but I, how they got here or why they're here, I guess I just, you know, I can only speculate about that. I always love to talk to witnesses and ask them that question uh, because they'll give you their opinion on it. And again, there's no wrong answer. I mean, it's not a, I think sometimes people hear that question that I ask and they think it's a gotcha moment and there's no gotcha moment on the show. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. curious on what people think, you know, as far as what these things are. And I think you're right. I think they have been around for a long time. I think it's, it's fascinating when you talk to witnesses because they're very consistent. Every witness I've ever spoke to is very consistent on what they saw. And in your situation with you and your cousin on the mini bike, it makes me wonder, you know, is it curiosity? Is it just up looking and seeing what you guys are doing? I mean, obviously, if it wanted to take you guys, it would have. And I, and I don't want to sugarcoat it because there is a lot of bad encounters people have where things turn violent really quick. Uh, but there's other situations where it doesn't where they seem to be just kind of curious, checking you out, seeing well, what you're doing. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I have not heard, before I started listening to your show, I had, I had not heard quite so many about the bad encounters until I started listening to the people on your show, you know, tell their, about their encounters and their stories. And, of course, when you hear all this and you hear about other people's stories and what they went through, and then you think back to what happened to you, you think to yourself, wow, you were really lucky, you know, because that could have been a bad deal. That could have went, that could have so went the other way 
um, when I heard the story about what happened to you and your brother. Wow. I can't, I can't even imagine uh, the fear and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and, you know, that you guys must have went through after all that. Yeah, um, it is. It is kind of interesting to uh, look back at that encounter and look back at this whole show. Uh, you know, when I first started doing this show, I know I'm at 300 episodes, but when I first started doing, doing this show, my feelings on these incre- on these creatures, especially with my encounter, uh, honestly, I, I I could care less. I, I would hope that every hunter out there would put a bullet in one of these things. I don't care if you bring it in or not. Kill them all and let God sort it out. These things are flat out monsters. And then as you start hearing encounters, you know, throughout the 300 shows I've done, or more, I've actually done a little bit more than 300, but uh, you, you start to find encounters to where they're not so violent. That it seems to be more or less curiosity. I mean, sometimes I have had people on the show where they have violent encounters, and the people have done nothing to provoke it, and they have violent violent encounters. And then sometimes you have people on the show, uh, like your encounter, where it pops its head up. It's just kind of checking you guys out. It's not pursuing you guys. It's not chasing you guys down. It's just kind of watching you guys. And so I've learned so much from doing the show because – you start to realize real quick, okay, that maybe they're not all monsters. Maybe they're not all killing machines. And I know most of the people, most of the audience thinks I, I cherry pick the most violent encounters. That's not really true. Um, I just pull out the encounters for the show from all the people I talk to. And the bulk of those encounters aren't happy encounters. Most encounters with these things, I don't think that the, the Sasquatch truly wants an interaction with people. I hate to break it to uh, most of the people out there who have habituation sites and all this other stuff. I don't think that they truly want interaction with people. I think it's probably the last thing that they want. But they're curious. It's a primate. Just like we're primates, we're curious. And I think that, that when you look at the different encounters, uh, when push comes to shove, you're dealing with a wild animal that, that could rip you from limb to limb if it wanted to. Uh, but most of the time, they'll get up and kind of leave the area. It's always situations where they don't leave the area, and they're provoking you. They're throwing rocks at you. They're growling at you. They're going around and around and around your campsite and just screwing with you. And it, at that point, it becomes violent. But I think uh, – and it's so hard. It's such an odd topic to talk about. I would imagine it's the same as like sharks. When we think of sharks, we think of Jaws. Uh, and and I hate sharks. I have like a phobia with sharks. Like with the ocean, I want nothing to do with sharks. But generally speaking, a shark won't attack you unless it's in a position where, you know, I don't know why I'm going off on that tangent. But th- th- it's the same with Sasquatch. Sometimes there's violent encounters. Sometimes there's not. And I think a lot of times they're just curious about what you're doing in their area. And so they'll come check you out. And I'm curious with that whole situation where – uh, your cousin, they, they own the property out there. If the parents ever, if there was ever a moment where they realized, okay, there's something on the property. Did you ever talk well, with them? It, we never talked to our, our, I talked to my, of course, my mom and dad, did, you know, they didn't live in that house. My aunt and step-uncle did, and they, they're they both passed away now. But we, no, none of us kids at that time would, we never talked to our parents about something like that. But my cousin did tell me that her older sister that she was in the bedroom and her, with her older sister one night, and they were in bed sleeping, and uh, there was a big hairy hand at the window, 
on the window screen, and her sister woke up, and they saw it, and her sister screamed. And I guess, of course, the parents come running in there, and she said there wasn't much made to do about it. You know, they were probably, oh, you're just dreaming, or you're seeing things or whatever, and they went back to sleep. But when she told me that, and now that I, after listening to all the things that other people have experienced and how things can escalate, and I think back to that, it sounds to me like that thing was up around the house more than they knew it. And she also told me that the neighbors next to them, they raised uh, pigs or hogs, and their pigs and their uh, were coming up missing also. And I think they thought, they. Pro- I think those people probably thought somebody was stealing their pigs is what I'm thinking. But, of course, you know, we don't know that because we were, like I said, her and I were like 13, and we didn't talk to, you know, any adults about anything like that, you know. Uh, just a few years ago, I talked to my mom about it one day, and I had told her what happened that day. And she said, oh, you kids. She said somebody probably put a Halloween mask up, out there and to try to scare you kids or something, she said. And I said, no, Mom. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I, and then, you know, because there was other things that happened, too, on that property. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really get into details about that. She's my mom's a skeptic. Uh, my brother's a skeptic. You know, they don't believe in that kind of stuff. But, you know, a lot of people, if you've never experienced, you know, anything of that nature, you're you're not going to believe until you see it with your own eyes. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely I, right. I don't hold it against anybody, but now I'm at the age where um, I'm older now, so now I don't care if people think I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter now because I'm older now. Yeah. Um, and my observation skills, I think, have improved a lot, and I have a pretty good instinct. And when I think back, back to that day about the way I felt when it happened and what I, what I did, I think a lot of that was a survival instinct. And, you know, and Lori, she felt the same way because she she felt the same way when she walked out of there. You know, don't scream, don't run, don't make a fuss, just pretend like you didn't see it, and just back off and, you know, and just get out of the area. And I think now that I think about it, it was probably a survival instinct kicking in. And I have, I'm a pretty sensitive person, so I, I have pretty good instincts, and I think I've been pretty lucky um, so far about that. Although sometimes you do things, you know, you don't really think about the consequences. Um, like when I was telling you about how I used to throw vegetable scraps and stuff out in the woods behind my house, and I don't, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. If you would kind of talk about what what you were doing around that property and and what you heard and what happened, I know your brother showed up. Uh, if you would, for yeah. the audience, just kind of walk us into what was going on. Yeah, well, I moved into the my property that I live in now. It's only about a mile from the village that I live in, and um, I've got woods around. I kind of got woods that surround both sides of my property. My house. I live in a trailer. It's got metal. Uh, siding, metal roof, and the woods surround both sides of my trailer, and there's woods in back. It's all private property back there. It's not all my property. It belongs to some, most of it belongs to someone else. But at the time, I, I didn't have a neighbor to the right of me. There was another house trailer that sits next, sits next to mine. And, well, the guy lives in it now, but he wasn't living in it at that time. I moved in here um, in July of 2010. Well, that fall... Probably about the time when just when summer turns to fall, 
that was probably about the time of year it was. I had been hearing at night, I had been hearing occasionally some strange noises out there in the woods, but I didn't really think that much about it. Um, I heard like some whooping noises, and of course I didn't think anything about it. First of all, I've never heard those before. So, I mean, I heard them and I noticed, noticed it, but I didn't really think, oh, you know, that's a Bigfoot out there because I didn't really know that they made those kind of noises. But this night in particular, I was in my bedroom watching TV, and I had a show on. It was a, Actually, it was a replay of a show, and on the show, the guy on the show was making uh, calls. I don't know if you want me to say the name of the show or not, but oh, I don't. Mind. Anyway, it's, it's, <laughs> you talking about Finding Bigfoot? Big yeah, yeah, and no, you know I, the big guy on there, and you know everybody can say what they want about the show and they can laugh, but and and I'm kind of disgusted to hear about their their you know the siege at Hanobia. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I heard what they how they acted and how they took off, I was a, I wasn't impressed with the BFRO. When I heard that, how they took off on those people, you know, I felt bad for those two brothers. Yeah, um, one of the but, things with that, I guess I'll address that really quick, is I, I'm friends with a lot of people in the BFRO, and yeah. there is some really good people in the BFRO. I mean, even Matt Moneymaker called me the other night. He's actually – was really nice on the phone. He's very, very um, – not like what you see on TV. He was a very nice guy when, when him and yeah. I spoke. And so I, I think – you know, sometimes you can't hold uh, a whole organization accountable for a few people. You know what I mean? It's kind of okay. like if you, um, you know, you heard uh, some guy at Apple was a drunk driver. You can't hold all right. the employees at Apple accountable for that one guy's action. So, but I didn't. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Well, anyway, I was watching. I believe that's what was on TV when I was watching. Anyway, the guy on there, one of the guys on there, was making a call, and I think it was the big guy. I mean, he's got it going on with his his calls he makes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say that for him. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, the on the back of my house toward the woods, my backyard, uh, it felt or it sounded like somebody was throwing rocks at my trailer. So uh, the first thing I thought to myself was, okay, there's some maybe some neighborhood kids, you know, teenagers or something out, somebody out having fun playing a prank. And I got up and. I went to my dining room window and I opened it and I didn't see anybody out there. I couldn't see anything out there. I yelled out the window and I said, hey, you know, you better knock it off because I'm calling the cops. And I yelled it really loud and then I heard this roar out in the woods and this thing just screamed and it took off uh, to the west through the woods and it sounded like a freight train moving through the woods and it was breaking branches and and all kinds of stuff, and just the, when this thing screamed, it was re- it sounded really mad. It just sounded really angry. Um, I kind of got the feeling like I, maybe either I interrupted something it was doing or it didn't want me there, and I'm thinking, you know, I guess I was in shock because I'm thinking what I heard, that that's what I heard, but when you hear it, you don't and you're not expecting something like that to happen, you're not out looking for it or asking for it, you don't really want to, I guess you don't really want to think that that's what it is. You don't want to really admit to yourself, well, did I just, you know, is this what I'm really hearing? Because you're always looking for another (laughs) explanation, I guess, or another, you know, reason that you hear something like that. 
and I knew it wasn't a bear. I knew it wasn't a cougar, you know. And I, I went and I sent a text. I, I don't get a very good cell phone signal with my cell phone in here, but if I put it in my bedroom window, I can send a text out. And I texted my brother, and uh, he'd come over with his dog and his gun. Of course, by the time he came over and went around the yard and everything, there was he didn't see anything. He said, oh, you know, it was probably uh, pine cones hitting the back of my trailer, <laughs> you know, blowing off the tree or something. Well, I didn't think it was that windy that night. And uh, the next day when I went out, there was no pine cones to be seen, but there were rocks down there on my boardwalk. I have this little boardwalk that goes along to, up to my back deck, you know, and then there's a grassy area and a garden area where there's flowers. And I could see some rocks laying around that shouldn't have been there. At least I didn't feel like they should have been there. So I'm going to say, yeah, there's definitely something throwing rocks at my house. And that thing screaming, and it sounded all mad. And also, uh, when it took off through the woods, and I couldn't hear it anymore, it stopped somewhere and it screamed again. This time it was a lot further west. And then it, then you couldn't hear it no more after that. I started thinking about, you know, to myself, um, I think that's what it was. I think it was a Bigfoot. I didn't see it, but I heard it, and I'm thinking that's what it was. And then you start thinking, well, why would, you know, why would it even be around here? Why would it be around, you know, where there's houses and stuff like that, you know? And, uh, and I started thinking about throwing the vegetable scraps out and stuff out in the woods the way I'd been doing. <laughs> and I started thinking, geez, maybe I shouldn't be doing that, you know. So I quit doing that. I quit throwing uh, food out in the woods, and I don't do that anymore because that was uh, that was frightening to hear that. And I can't even imagine what I what I would have done if I had a, actually saw it. I probably would have fainted or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one know. of those things. As you and I were talking earlier, when I was in Texas, and I had that thing screaming. I mean, it wasn't a cougar. It wasn't any. It wasn't a coyote. It wasn't a fox. I can tell you that much. Uh, it wasn't anything I had actually heard before. And I always use the term demonic. And I hate to bring this up with you, but uh, and I know people say, "Well, what does a demon sound like?" I get that comment on the website all the time, and I guess I don't know. Uh, but you yeah. just think of the worst thing possible screaming at you, and that's why I guess I always say demonic. But it, it, it what I heard in Texas, this thing was screaming, and it sounded female, and it sounded pissed, um, and it was very uh, – I don't even know how to describe it. It was very odd. Uh, but you know from being – as you and I talked – uh, this isn't your first radio. It's not like you've never heard a cougar before. It's not like you've never mm -hmm. heard a fox before. And usually when those creatures scream, you're talking four seconds, maybe five tops, and then they're done. And they might scream again, but you're talking four or five seconds. When this thing was screaming at you, was it just a couple seconds or was it more long-winded as it was directing? No, it was, it was long-winded. Both times it screamed, it was long-winded. It was like an air raid. Uh, it was like the tornado siren. I'm from Oklahoma, and it starts out real slow, and then it, you know, it builds up, and then it's like, you know, at the end, it yeah. was like that, kind of like the tornado siren, <laughs> except for it sounded really angry. It just, at the end, it had that growly, at the end of the, when it was almost done, it, it was growling, yeah. like it came to a growl. In that respect, I'll say it was different than what I had heard, you know, 
it, to me, it's different than what I what I hear when I listen to the things that I hear now that I see now on the media or like on your show. Um, if I had to compare it to something, I would compare it to like maybe the Ohio howl, but except for at the end, it was kind of like growling, um, which made me feel like it was really mad. Like I probably got it really mad by yelling at it. I'm thinking uh, and challenging it. Yeah, and I think that's a key when you talk to people, I guess for other interviewers out there. When you talk to people, what's interesting is so when you hear a cougar scream or do their vocalization or you hear a fox or you hear um coyotes. Coyotes make some weird noises. Uh rarely will you ever talk to someone that hears a known animal like that and will attribute emotion to it. They won't say, "Well, it sounded angry." Or it sounded mad. Uh, they'll just say, I heard a sc- like a woman screaming. For someone who's never heard a cougar or a fox or, uh, you know, your coyotes, the, the, they'll say it sounded like a woman screaming. But rarely will they ever attribute emotion to it. Now, when these things scream, what's interesting is people will say it sounded mad. It sounded angry when it was screaming at me. Uh, and I, I just think that's interesting. Yeah. that's. I guess when I think about I heard a... Um, when I think about the animals that I've heard before, like well, the cougar, like I told you about the cougar that was in the uh, back gully of the house I used to live in up north, um, it, and when it screamed, it uh, just screamed, and then it left the gully, and it took off up and around, and then it screamed again, and then I guess it took off. I, I knew it was a cougar when I heard it. Uh, my cousin Carrie was with me, and she, you know, she's like, oh, the hairs are standing up on the, you know, on her, the back of her necks and everything. We were freaking out. She's like, what is that? She said, I said, well, I said, I, it sounds like a cougar. And if I hadn't have been watching that TV show when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have known that. I've never seen a cougar, you know, in real life. Um, but like I said, we used to watch the Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom when we were younger. And they had a lot of cougars, you know, and different animals on that show. So that's that's pretty much where I learned about cougars probably but um and but my dad said like my dad said cougars are a big cat like that can move from point a to point b within seconds like cover long distances and you'll never even hear a stick break yeah you know they won't even make a sound well your dad's right your dad's absolutely right that's what he told me and i heard uh one on the chippewa river i was camping with a couple of my cousins couple of my guy cousins one night out in the woods, uh, I heard a baby crying. To me, it sounded like a baby crying. And when I asked my cousin about it, he said it was a bobcat. He said, and they can make, you know, sounds like that, like a baby crying. So I thought that was really bizarre because I had heard other noises that bobcats made. But that was the first time I'd ever heard, you know, a noise like that. Yeah. Um, that's what he says. He says they can make, that they can sound like a human yeah, he's uh, right. Yeah. yeah, no, he's absolutely right. Uh, bobcats will make strange noises. And, and I think a lot of times when people think of coyotes, they think of just the howls and the barks. And But mm-hmm. coyotes make some weird noises. And foxes make some absolutely ridiculous noises when you're out there. Uh, there's been many times where I've been out hunting and I've stopped and kind of looked back 
and I was looking back at Woody and my other my other brother, and I was like, "What the hell was that?" And it was a fox. But they make such weird, odd noises. You wouldn't think that would come out of a fox. But uh, so a lot of your known animals will make a lot of strange noises. But when people hear the screaming or like the Ohio howl, the siren call, uh, you cougars don't make that noise. Uh, foxes don't make that noise. Uh, coyotes don't make that noise. Bobcats don't make that noise. So that's something uh, different. And uh, I always love talking to people who've been out in the woods and, and they've experienced other animals because they will stop and they will go, what, what was that? And it, it always fascinates me. But um, Linda, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing the whole encounter. I, I think it's, it, it, it interests me because I always think of the, uh, the, the biker bar down in Texas and the guys saying how, uh, they don't drive their bikes down when it starts getting dark because the gorillas will throw rocks at them, uh, which sounds ridiculous to people listening because there's no gorillas out running around in the forest in Texas. But if you yeah. go to that biker bar, they'll tell you that. The, and it always makes me wonder, is are the gorillas throwing it at the people or are they irritated by the Harley noise? The, that and large, they call them gorillas? Yeah, they call them gorillas. Uh, one of the guys I spoke to down there, he said that um, – he refuses to ride his bike before the sun goes down. He won't ride his bike down there after dark anymore. And this was a big, scary man. I mean, this wasn't a man you'd mess around with. Uh, he, he seemed like the type of guy, he's nice to your face, but I think he'd probably cut your throat in two seconds if you upset him. Um, and do so, you think that they really feel that these really are gorillas, or do you think that's just what they call them? That's just what they call them. I asked him uh, one time. Uh, when I was down there, I asked him, you know, well, what do you mean gorillas? And he said, I, I don't know how to explain it. He said, it's a gorilla. It's on two legs and it throws rocks. And it's when they go up and down this road down there, it's kind of a lonely road when you drive it. But and this this bar is in the middle of nowhere. But when they drive down it, they get rocks thrown at them. One guy was actually knocked off his bike down there. He wow. said a gorilla knocked knocked him off his bike. Now, these guys aren't into the Bigfoot world. They aren't into Sasquatch. They don't know. You say Sasquatch to these guys. I, I don't think they know what that, that means. Um, so the only way they describe them is gorillas. But I've always wondered if it's the noise from the bike that irritates them or that gets them up and alert. Same thing with you and your mini bike. Almost made me wonder if it really wasn't you guys, if it was the noise of the bike that got it to get up and look and see what was going on. What are you guys doing? Yeah, I think the human mind has to find an explanation for something that when you see something and you don't know what it is, you, you your mind needs to find an explanation, that something that explains what you saw. So I can see that why they would call it, you know, a gorilla, because your your mind has to come up with something. Uh, I think we, we're, you know, humans are like that, or we probably would go nuts. We'd probably go crazy. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think we're wired that way. We yeah. try and come up with answers for what we saw or what we experienced. We try and find, uh, just like your folks, uh, it must have been a guy in a mask because that's the only thing yeah. that makes sense. It must have been a man in a mask. Yeah, the thing about that is my uncle, he was quite the prankster. But like I told my mom, the only thing about him, though, is every time he'd play a prank on anybody, uh, well, usually it was on my dad or my other uncles, um, he would have to make sure that he took the – uh, eventually he it would come out in the open and he would get the credit for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it <laughs> yeah. would be a ha-ha-ha, big joke. Gotcha. Well, nothing was ever, certainly never, 
mentioned after that ever again about that as far as the adults. Uh, and like I said, at that, at that age, you don't go and talk to your, well, at least we didn't go and talk to all our parents about, they probably would have told us, oh, you kids, go do find something to do or you know, <laughs> they turned us loose at camp every year. You know, we were we ran around the campground at night. We 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 walked the roads and stuff at night through the campground and everything. And and there were bears and all. And this was up in the UP. And there were bears and you know moose and stuff like that up there. And we we didn't care. We weren't we didn't think about you know things like Bigfoot and stuff like that when we were walking around up there. Um, when you're young, you don't. Uh, I don't think you have that that caution. You know, I think it's years of ex- experience of living, and when you get older, you've had the experiences. Now, like, I'm a much more cautious person <laughs> yeah, than I was yeah. at that age, so... <laughs> I can imagine. Well, Linda, thank you again for coming on. I really do appreciate you coming on and, and sharing the encounter, and I posted a portion of it to the blog, and I know the audience was, uh, they were really fascinated by it. So thank you so much for coming on and, and telling us what happened. You're welcome. It's a great show. I love it. And keep up the good work. And I wouldn't pay any attention to any naysayers. Uh, you know, this is uh, people that are calling in with their own experiences, and I think it makes your show unique. I appreciate that. Thank you again. Okay. Good night, Wes. Well, next up on the show, I want to welcome one of the uh, Bigfoot outlaws, uh, Mr. Tim Kumbo Baker. Tim, how are you tonight? Doing pretty good. Thanks How about for, yourself? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thanks for coming on my uh, uh, episode 300 show. You know, it's funny when I when I very first started doing this, uh, I, I, you and I have talked about this in the past, but you know, I had a hard time getting anyone to come on the show, uh, and mm-hmm. I was so excited when uh, Bear or Jim King and and yourself came on, uh, and and you guys really were the the ones that really jump started my show. Uh, because, well, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Like I said, I had a, such a hard time getting people to come on. And and for people out there, if they're listening, if you go to YouTube and you type in Bigfoot Outlaws, uh, you can listen to uh, Kumbo, Bear, and Matt. Uh, they do a show. I put it up on the blog every time they get a new show. And I always appreciate listening to you guys and, and the knowledge that you guys have. But thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, I'm honored to be here. And I appreciate appreciate the the invitation. Yeah, no, the honor is mine. You know, you did a show the other uh, the your last show that you guys did. Uh, you were talking mm-hmm. about infrasound, and I find that fa- yeah. fascinating. And I wanted to get your opinion on things. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll have witnesses on the show where they haven't seen anything, but they have this strange, overwhelming fear for no reason. And they're in a situation, and I'm talking about guys that have been out hunting their whole life, uh, guys that have been mm-hmm. hunting for 20, 30 years, and they'll walk into an area, and all of a sudden they'll get this feeling like they're being watched. It's a very uneasy feeling. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, do you think that that is infrasound, or what we know as infrasound, or do you think that's something more of a sixth sense we have as humans that maybe we've lost over a period of time? I believe it can be either one. Um, like, for instance, uh, you know, I have law enforcement friends and, and such that have been in areas, you know, in, they've been on a call or something, you know, in a big metropolitan area, and they're going into some place, 
and you know they get this this crazy irrational you know fear feeling and and it you know and they so they stop and and it turns out that you know that there was somebody waiting there to to ambush them you know and they i think that's the sixth sense but um there are definitely you know you can get that that type of feeling will be can be triggered by infrasound as well so you know it could be you know out in the woods it could really be just about either and um unless you had some good recording equipment going uh, it would be hard to determine uh you know what happened but if you get if you get other things that go along with it besides just the the really bad uneasy feeling if you get the uh the f- strong fatigue you know upset stomach you know maybe dizziness uh blurred vision i mean there's a whole whole gamut of responses that the human body can have to infrasound if you get some of these other uh things going on then you can pretty much say that you know you've been zapped by infrasound and just so the readers know infrasound are the frequencies from 20 hertz from 0 to 20 hertz below the range of the normal range of human hearing there are there are people who can hear down to you know like 15 hertz and such as that there are even people who can sing notes that low but um you know but that's that's way the exception rather than the rule it's the frequencies down actually that that, that are typically like in the neighborhood of like 8 to about 12 hertz 8 to to maybe 13 hertz that um, really spike these um, very strong reactions. Um, <clears throat> you know, there there is a frequency there around. I don't know. I can't remember the exact frequency, but you know, there's a frequency that your eyeballs resonate at, and when they are doing their their infrasound uh, sweeps at us. Uh, you know, you, there are points there during that sweep when they pass through the frequency range that your <clears throat> of your the resonant frequency of your eyeball, and it can actually create apparitions or or you know a, a limited type of hallucination. You know, you'll you'll catch movement out of the corner of your eye, or you'll see a <clears throat> you know say a patch something gray wavering off in your peripheral vision. Or you'll think that something has just, you know, like a mouse or a rat or something has just run by you. It can actually affect you that way. As you guys were talking, as you were giving your presentation on infrasound, which I thought was mm-hmm. all these people out there, and I know all the Bigfoot researchers and investigators listen to my show, mm-hmm. uh, they should invite you to the conference to speak on this because it, I, I, I was fascinated mm-hmm. by it. I gave my amateurish uh, <laughs> description on infrasound, probably episode seven on what I knew. But mm-hmm. what was interesting is when I looked it up, uh, I think it was Walt Disney got busted for it. Uh, he would put it mm-hmm. into his movies. And so when they right. had a scene in the movie to where the, you were in fear or let's say you wanted to be sad, they wanted mm-hmm. to ev- evoke that emotion in you. They actually did infrasound mm-hmm. in, in some of these movies. And what ended up happening is people would come out of the movie theater and they were sick. They were dizzy. They were disoriented. Right. Uh, they had right. all of these side effects of the actual mm-hmm. infrasound. So infrasound is a real thing. 
And I'm just curious, oh, yeah. when I talk to witnesses and they say they feel sick afterwards, after an encounter mm-hmm. or something like that, right? is it adrenaline? Is it like the adrenaline dump? Because it can make you feel ill, too, having adrenaline bump through your body. Or is right. it infrasound? And so that's why I'm on the yeah. fence with Sasquatch and infrasound. Uh, there's times where I'll hear encounters and I'm thinking, God, that sounds like inf- infrasound. And then there's other uh-huh. encounters where I think... I think you, your adrenaline was pumping a little bit too too much for too long, and made you feel kind of ill. <laughs> so it's right? kind of it's kind of a hard yeah. balance. Is it really? Do you think that yes, these, it is. Do you think that these creatures put off infrasound? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I have <clears throat> we've been able to record it um, on several occasions. Um, I wish that I had a way of reproducing uh, of playing uh, some of our tapes here on your show but it would they wouldn't come through but um we've we have found that uh this certain certain um model of of digital tape recorder that that one of our guys use it uh it accidentally it works as a pretty good infrasound detector the microphone itself is not um is not rated to record infrasound however Infrasound is a long wavelength um, pressure wave through the air, and what happens is, is the uh, in the internal guts of a microphone, many times you have a mylar or some type of a of a wafer with a uh, with an element, an uh, electrical element, movable element that's bonded to that, <clears throat> and we have found that with this one particular microphone, that when it is hit with infrasound because of the long wavelength of the of the uh, pressure waves of the sound. It bangs that that um, that wafer off the stops in and out. So you hear a you know a, a, a you know a, I'm gonna this is not gonna be as fast, but, but it, you hear a like a you know you hear like a a flutter of that of the thing you know banging off the stops. Well, what you're hearing obviously is not infrasound. What you're hearing is the mechanical impact of the guts of the microphone off off part of the microphone body. But it it produces a it produces a sound that that the recorder will pick up and uh and, and it allows us and then we can we can go look at that uh, on a uh on an oscilloscope. And we can look at the frequency of, of these these bangs or clicks or whatever, and see that that they are in the infrasound range. And so we know we know what's happened. We have also been able to, you know, when we are able to, um, you know, get a hold of some some actual infrasound infrasound recorded with a microphone designed for it. Uh, of course, you look at it under a spectrum analyzer, and you can see that that the Surprisingly, the energy of the sound is very tightly controlled. I mean, the guys that that emit this stuff, or I think the females can emit it as well. I mean, they're like the Pavarotti of the animal world. They can control their their voices or their uh, laryngeal sacs or or you know however they however it is that they generate it. They have very very good. Uh, tonal control of you know of the infrasound that they produce. So we have you know several different ways of looking at it. 
and and of of and the the this accidental way that we that we discovered is uh, is is really handy because that's one of the things that people well how do you know you've recorded it well you don't really because you can't really listen to it you can take a you can take a signal and you can boost the frequency you know you can electronically manipulate it but here we can actually pick up this mechanical vibration of the uh, of the guts of the microphone look at it in a look at the signal in a uh, on a an oscilloscope and see that hey by golly look at here this microphone was uh, was vibrating at at uh you know sweeping back and forth from about you know 7 to about 15 hertz and you know, so I'm going, what could do that? You know, so. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because someone had sent me some audio probably a week ago. They had sent me this piece of audio, and I was listening to it, and I was like, God, this would be one of the best audio, except for it sounds like it's overmodulated. And the only way I would describe the audio they sent to me, uh, and I wish I had it, I'd play it for you, uh, but it sounded like, if you took the internal components of a speaker, like a microphone, like what I'm on right now, right. you took that and mm-hmm. just shook it as fast as you could, and you get that right. re- reverberation, you know, as it's right. And that's what it sounded like. And I and I asked the guy, right. I said, "Did you edit this at all, or did you guys try and clean this up?" And he said, "No, that's just what we mm-hmm. got." But it sounds right. like a huge vibration. I mean, you can hear that's this correct. thing going off in the background, but you hear the vibration more than what you hear of this thing going mm-hmm. off in the background. And uh, it's just fascinating to me. You know, I was always into the infrasound and then I backed away from it because I wasn't really sure. Is it these, these things putting off infrasound or is it fear that we have that's tripping people up yeah. where they feel kind of ill or mm-hmm. they, let's face it. When you run into one of these things, you're going to feel mm-hmm. sick afterwards. You're going to be in shock mm-hmm. afterwards. Your adrenaline's going right. to be through the roof. But it, you're right. Those secondary components of, infras- of, of of being affected by infrasound, when you start hearing that, it kind of throws you for a loop. It's like, well, why is this guy still sick six hours later after the infrasound? Right. Why is he still talking and, about throwing up afterwards, you know? Right. Yeah, you typically have to go through at least one sleep cycle. If you've been zapped good with infrasound, you have to go through at least one good sleep cycle for your brain to, to reset, sometimes a couple of sleep cycles. Um, we had one of our researchers, uh, a lady by the name of Kelly Mattingly. She's passed away now, but she was very strongly affected by infrasound, and she exhibited all the classic symptoms of anaphylactic shock when she was exposed to it. You know, that's one way we knew when, you know, my dog Bo plus Kelly, you know, were the, were the best uh, indications when the boogers were getting uh, really, really close uh, that, that we had. Um, this was back in the days before we had decent thermal imaging and such as that. But uh, you know, she would her face would swell, her eyes would swell shut. Um, she would have a um, you know she would get shortness shortness of breath. She would get a um, you know pounding headache. She would get sick to her stomach, and and the only way that that she could get over it was she had to. To, to go to bed and sometimes it might take her a couple of days to get over it but it was uh and then you know i had uh, done a lot of experimentation with infrasound back when i worked for the government back in the early 1980s and 
in a particular lab that I worked in where we were <clears throat> we were doing a lot of seismic simulation testing, high-level seismic simulation testing of safety-related components to nuclear reactor control systems. And, you know, they think that, well, as, as was shown in the... Um, the disaster in Japan a few years ago, the, the biggest danger to a nuclear power plant is uh, our earthquakes. And so we have to have to test to the highest level possible, plus a safety margin of, of the, the highest level possible that, of earthquake that you could have in that part of the world. And, <clears throat> that, and, and earthquakes run in the, uh, their frequency range is around zero to 35 hertz. So that takes in the entire infrasonic range from zero to 20 hertz. So, you know, we would see sometimes the the results of infrasound on people that were working in the area, and sometimes not. It, it, it was weird. Some people were affected, some people were not. But I began to, uh, I just got curious and began to study it, and that's when I got to studying um uh, using sound as, as a weapon. And I found a lot of information. And back then I could get, I could get a hold of some of the technical library information that um, through, you know, through like Redstone Arsenal that, you know, regular folks can't get a hold of. And, um, <clears throat> but I learned quite a bit. I studied quite a bit about uh, a lot of research that the French did on sonic weapons, you know, research that the Germans did on the sonic weapons and then that, that we have done. And the thing that kept that kept just repeating between them what were the symptoms, and then uh, they even got into stuff like um, unhealthy buildings, like buildings that um, <clears throat> had rooms that people would feel uneasy in or would claim that were haunted or whatever, and they would find that that there would be something wrong in the HVAC system, you know, that's heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, and that there would be a um, a standing resonant wave in the air ducts of, that are, that was in the infrasonic range, and would cause problems with the people trying to trying to work in these buildings in in that room, and you know, and then what they did to uh, you know to fix the problems. Um, there was a vast wealth of knowledge, and then then as I continued on, I was already actively researching Bigfoot back then, but I started putting two and two together and. And about that time, the uh, Dr. Mugenthaler came out with her ideas on and her studies that that elephants can produce infrasound, and then also tigers and other animals and such. And I contacted her and I said, you know, I'm, I do some turkey hunting, and anybody who's ever done much turkey hunting, you'll know that if you're close to them, say within 20, 30 feet, while they're strutting and drumming, you can literally feel the ground shake. And I said, well, somehow turkeys are producing infrasound. They're shaking, the, literally literally shaking the ground. And if a 25-pound tom turkey can shake the ground or a you know 400-pound uh, Benville tiger can shake the ground, certainly uh, you know, a 600 to 1,000-pound you know, uh, booger ought to be able to shake the ground with infrasound. And uh, you know, there, there are uh, numbers of animals that have since been discovered that produce infrasound. So, um, you know, it, it sort of the, the light bulb turned on, and I started, you know, zeroing in on on the effects of things, and started trying to to actually record it. 
and I was I had limited success because at the time the uh, the microphone that uh that Dr. Mugenthaler was using was very expensive. It was, you know, out of my my personal you know price range. So I built my own microphone with a with a, you know, mylar wafer and and um little ultra small accelerometers and um <clears throat> and some you know signal conditioners and such. And unfortunately, my microphone was very very susceptible to wind interference, very susceptible to 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 weather uh, issues and I only got a chance to actually deploy it successfully in the field a, a couple of times, a couple of three times, but you know the results I got were quite promising. And I was using a modified um <clears throat> modified um JV I came here for the I think it was a JVC stereo VCR to operate as a you know poor man's digital audio tape. Um to try to record this stuff, and I had done a little bit of modification of some of the um, signal processing electronics inside the the PCR. But anyway, I I was able to to get get enough stuff to, to go back and analyze it and 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 prove to myself that yes, they are producing inter, uh, infrasound. Yeah, and that's uh, interesting that you came up with that conclusion. And most people, you know, if they uh, don't understand if you actually research infrasound and I recommend people go to Bigfoot Crossroads on YouTube, go to the Bigfoot Outlaw Radio episode 31, Zap by a Bigfoot, uh, where Tim actually Kumbo gives his uh, presentation. It's probably one of the best presentations. I, I wish you would have done that. And then I could have just copied your work <laughs> back when I did episode, I think it was seven or eight. Yeah. I, I wish you would have done that because I would have stolen everything you put up. But uh, what was interesting about it is most people don't know infrasound can kill a person. And it can yeah. it can cause a lot of different problems with people. It can cause organ failure. It can cause uh, – so it's a real thing in the scientific community that we know about. I wanted to ask you, Kumbo, your personal opinion. I had an insider one time come on the show, and I had to end up taking the shows down. But she described it as a sonic weapon. She called it something else. It was some sort of government name, but I had a, I asked her to dumb it down for me on what she was talking mm -hmm. about. And she had described it as like a sonic weapon. And what she said is there's yeah. a certain frequency you can send out and these Sasquatches will come to, to that frequency and it pisses them off and it makes it easier to kill one of these things because they'll actually come to that frequency sound. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on something like that? Well, I, th I think that that's, um, that's probably true. Um, I have never tried to generate a specific sound to attract them, but I do know that you know that they'll there are certain pieces of music that they don't like. Like they are not Led Zeppelin fans. They do not like when the levee breaks. <laughs> I have a, I have had um, uh, several times them come in pissed off with me uh, blasting when the levee breaks uh, in the middle of the night. Um, there are, you know, and it, it may not be an infrasonic frequency that, that draws them in. Um, I mean, there are, there are other, there are other sounds and stuff that will bring them in out of curiosity, but there are some that, that, uh, like I said, some, some rock music I know will, will bring them in pissed off. And we actually have a, um, <clears throat> a call that, that, we do that. Bear and I do. We call it the piss off call. If we've been trying to call them up and 
and they haven't responded to our normal stuff, then, you know, when we bring out the big guns, it's when we do the piss-off call. And if there's any within a mile or so, you know, you may not, they may not come, but they will definitely give you their opinion of, uh, of what they think about your call. <clears throat> you know, them, they may just scream back at you with a, with a dominance call, but not come, but they let you know that, hey, you know, you want some of me, bring your ass over here. <laughs> and then, then we've had, you know, very, several very, uh, 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 memorable instances instances where uh, we do the piss off call and you know here they come wide ass open and you know they end up right up in our face screaming at us so well when I say right up in our face I mean within you know 40 50, 40, 50 feet sometimes a little closer you know screaming at us obviously very aggravated yeah and I know you guys have an expedition coming up do you want to talk about that um well um <clears throat> it's uh it's 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 an expedition for uh members of the Bigfoot Outlaw uh hideout Facebook page and um we are we're gonna be it's, it's gonna be a meet and greet camp out type of opportunity where we are um we're going to be and this this is our first trial. Um we're gonna try doing this and, and if it works out okay then we'll do more of them. But uh, we've invited around um, <clears throat> in the neighborhood of 70 to 80 guests, and uh, actually we not, haven't invited them. They have. We've given them the opportunity to sign up to come to this to this campout and um, at a at an undisclosed location that I don't, I'm not going to reveal on the on the air. Yeah, no. And we will be. It, it's primarily a meet and greet, but we'll also be taking the opportunity to do to educate as well, to answer questions, to, uh, you know, do, do teaching and such as that. And, to uh, you know, try to spot, um, spot future, you know, research partners and such as that folks that, that may be wanting to delve into this even deeper. I know I was trying to yeah. sweet talk Baron to, <laughs> into letting me come. Uh, I'm not sure when it's at, yeah. but I was trying to sweet talk him the other night. I was like, you gotta oh. let me come in. But you know, if it's <laughs> overbooked, I understand. I would imagine you guys have, yeah. uh, pretty big audience that wants to go yeah the trouble is 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 you know the facility only allows a certain number of people in the campground not just campers but you know they only they only allow a certain number of people through the gate into the campground so um so we're limited there so um you know i i took a lot of a lot of flack when i first came out with my ideas about infrasound and bigfoot back in the in the 90s and uh, now it's a you know generally accepted part of the of the world of, of Bigfoot research is you know is that they that infrasound is is recognized as being for real and or well obviously infrasound is for real but it's rec- pretty well recognized that uh that Bigfoot do produce infrasound now how they actually do it is like anything else you know when we think we know something then that opens up a lot of extra questions. We don't know exactly how they do it, but um, our friend, uh, one of my longtime research partners, and he and I have been chasing boogers together since back in the 1970s, uh, Jim Hart, otherwise known as Bubba Gump, on our Facebook page. Um, he he has uh, done a fair amount of studying on laryngeal sacs. We know that a lot of the great apes have them, um, and that one of the things that it allows them to do is produce very low frequency noises 
Um, <clears throat> and very well could be that, that, uh, that Bigfoot have that laryngeal sac. Or it could be just that, that they're able to produce that just by the sheer volume of their, uh, of their lung and laryngeal uh, structure. You know, obviously they have a lot, a lot greater internal volume than ours would, so they can you know, produce a much lower frequency than we can. It's interesting. I know when I was doing the infrasound show, um, I had looked up a case study, and there was a guy who, uh, and it might be their lungs, you might be right, just the sheer capacity of their lungs are able to produce this infrasound right. sound. But what was interesting is I had, when I was, I remember when I was researching the uh, infrasound, I came across this, this case study that the scientists did. And there was a guy in an office and just kind of show you the, the effects of infrasound. So there's a guy in an office, and he started acting like a schizo. He started thinking he was hearing voices. He was having uh, – the guy was just going nuts, and no one could figure out what was wrong with this guy. So they moved uh-huh. him to another office, and he stopped acting like that. So they, they put the new employee in his old office. Well, the new employee started having the same problems as the old employee. So they moved him to another office, and they they brought in another employee and and put him back in that old office. Well, every person they put into this office started acting very, very strange, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, If this office was haunted Uh or what was going on with these guys. And what they found was the fan – this is a very dumbed-down version of it – but the fan was tilted – and as it spun around, it was a, a ceiling fan. And as it spun around, uh-huh. because it was tilted, it was creating a small dose of infrasound to whoever was sitting below this fan. And it was a bunch of scientists uh-huh. that figured out it was the ceiling fan. And as it rotated around, I mean, this sounds like crazy talk, but it's a case study you can look up. Uh, as it spun around, it actually created a small amount of infrasound. It was making whoever sat below that fan sick. Uh, they were having delusions, and so it is a real thing. I mean, the infrasound well, there, is a real. Well, there's a yeah, there's a pretty well, there's a very well documented case down in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, of a um, of a quote unhealthy building unquote, and <clears throat> they had you know people were having all kind of health issues and and such as that in that building, and they found that uh, that again they had a problem with the fan in the uh, heating and air system, and. They found that it was uh, that it was rotating at a frequency that was exciting a um, a standing wave, a standing resonant wave in the in the ductwork in the building, in that part in some part of the building, which was causing all these problems. All they had to do was either change the speed of the motor or change the pulleys to the fan slightly, and and boom, problem goes away. We had we had the exact same problem in a classroom where I work. There was one classroom that people didn't like. People used to complain about it that you know I, that, I, this room gives me the creeps. You know I, I can't do I can't do good well on tests in this room. Yeah 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 yeah. I mean it's been going on for a while. Well, I got to reading about the uh, the case study down in Arkansas, so I caught a a trusted employee that uh, after hours, and I said, hey, let's go up there and take a look at the uh, at the air handler for this room, for this, this part of the building. And we go up there and we look, and we look at the RPM of the motor and the size of the pulleys, and, we're, and, and I run some calculations. Boom. 
we've got a 12 hertz standing wave in the ductwork. <laughs> and so and then we get to looking, well, lo and behold, we look back at the original drawings when the building was built and, um, uh, and the original um, uh, specs of the, of the air handler, well, that, those weren't the, uh, the factory-sized pulleys that were on that air handler. Somebody had changed them in the past. You know, the pulley wore out and it broke, and they just grabbed whatever was handy and threw on there. So we went back to the factory-sized pulley. The, uh, the uh, resonant frequency of the, of the ductwork jumped up to near 30 hertz. Problem gone. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we have we haven't had a bit of bit of trouble. Uh, any any complaints about that room since then? But well, it's it is a very well documented phenomenon. Phenomena. Yeah, no, it is, and and I agree with you. And and it's interesting as I talk to witnesses that have come across Sasquatch, uh, and they've either been growled at, roared at, or some sort of vocalization. Not always, but sometimes uh, witnesses will talk, and and I'll pass it off sometimes, and I'll go well. You know, I understand your emotions are running high. It must be that mm-hmm. adrenaline. And then they'll tell uh-huh. me I was still throwing up the next day. And you can't pass it right. off as adrenaline. Adrenaline comes and goes right. as much as quickly as it comes, it goes. And it can make you feel mm-hmm. kind of ill, but you're not going to be ill the next day. I remember I had um, a, a witness on one time, Gord, uh, who was a, a, a biker. And he was talking about he, – he rode mountain bikes – uh, and he was talking about mm-hmm. feeling hot. He was getting growled at, but he was feeling hot. Then he started taking his yeah. clothes off. And, you know, you can't really – I mean, how do you explain okay. that? You can't pass it off yeah. as just simply, well, he's just freaking out. He's scared. It's adrenaline. <laughs> the feeling of feeling hot and taking your clothes off, there, something else is going on there. Or like the other yeah. witness I was telling you about where he's throwing up the next day. I can understand you right. throwing up after an encounter. I can even thro- understand you throwing up hours after the encounter. But 24 hours mm-hmm. later, I, I I don't know what right. to say to that. Exactly. Um you know, we know that we know that um that infrasound can um let me just uh let me see here. I'm going through my notes here. Um of the different some of the organs that we know that infrasound can can uh, excite. Um, we know that, for instance, like it can excite the uh, it can excite the frequency, the the resonant frequency of the brain, your liver, your heart, your eyes. Um, you know, as well as you know, as well as you know, your the cochlea of your ears. Um, I mean, there's a there's a wide range of the organs in your body that that will will vibrate or be excited by infrasound. And we don't know what, you know, you don't know what kind of a combination of of reactions that it's going to uh, evoke in you as as they are sweeping through these frequencies. And that's another thing that 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 we ha- that I discovered from recording them is that they don't just hit you with one frequency. They do what what we used to call a sine sweep. It's like a It'd be like sort of like whistling, you know. You're it's a it's a constant changing, constant smoothly changing note up and down through the through the infrasound or infrasound range. Um, but now one thing we have found that they do use little infrasonic bursts for, and I think it's uh, because of what's been going on when we've recorded this, 
is that you know you've heard the 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 little location whoops that uh that even on not finding bigfoot they do it you know they the whoop yeah when they're when they're moving in close on us they don't want to do that to give away their location but they've got to keep in touch with their buddies so they will use these little uh infrasonic bursts and we've actually recorded through the through the the microphone clipping uh that I was talking about earlier we've recorded these little yeah that's exactly what it sounds like yeah right yeah these little these little bursts and like the mi- you, like the microphones you, vibrating or something you know the internal yeah, organs it's, yeah it's sort of like a, a a speaker clipping this is overdriven that you're driving a speaker with too many watts exactly. and you're banging it off the stops yeah. well these uh, this these infrasonic waves are clipping the are clipping the microphones you know they're banging banging the microphone elements off the stops and we have recorded that as we have also picked up sometimes on thermal a booger trying to maneuver around on us and uh, trying to sneak up on us. And, you know, it just, uh, I was wondering what that was. And it just hit me here recently that, hey, that's not, they're not trying to zap us with that. They're trying to keep in track, in touch with their buddies, you know, to let them know where they are. And, you know, that makes sense. You got to, you always have to think like a, think like a Bigfoot. You know, why would they be doing this? And that's uh that's the the most plausible thing that I have been able to come up with for these uh for these little infrasonic single frequency infrasonic bursts. Let me ask you, Kimbo, because you're one of the few guys I go to with questions whenever I have things. And I know you and I have mm-hmm. talked privately about you know sometimes someone will contact me with an encounter that's way off, and I'll call you and uh-huh. and we'll and we'll discuss it. Uh, and I don't know right. if you want to talk about this. If you don't want to talk about it, you need to say no comment. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Not to change yeah. the subject a little bit. But, you know, I, I've had witnesses on that have seen the lights. And I realize for the audience, it's not a Bigfoot-related subject. Uh, or it may not be a Bigfoot-related subject. And I had to eat crow a little bit on the lights because I just thought crazy people saw these lights until I saw them. And then it was very humbling for me to actually see them because I had to, you know, eat crow and shut my mouth a little bit. And maybe I don't know as much as I thought I did, Mm -hmm. but um, have you ever seen the lights people talk about? Have you ever come across uh, when you're out there and seen anything strange like that or come across anything strange with regard to these lights? I saw something one time in the daylight that, that, still has me puzzled. And the only thing I can think of is, you know, based on things that I have read since then that, uh, uh, about, about them exciting the resonant frequency of your eye is that I think that maybe what I was, I was being zapped, but I caught, I caught a gray blob shoot out of some bushes beside me and shoot forward and then go back into the bushes, and you know, just like it dove down into the bushes in front of me. Now, uh, I'm a flesh and blood type person, but when I read about when I read one of these case studies about a about that they were able to reproduce in the lab, purposely stimulating the human eye at its natural resonant frequency, and that this was one of the the very common um, uh, effects that was induced. 
you know, I think that, uh, that that's what I saw was, was it was due to me being, being zapped because this was a really, really boogery area that I was in and that it's got a long history of sightings and it was very thick cover. And I think that there was, that I was right up on top of one and he hit me, he zapped me really, really strongly and caused me to, to see this gray blob. And that's one of the, that's one of the exact descriptions that was in this case study that I read was they would see gray blob shaped apparitions. And, uh, and that's basically what I saw. Now I have heard other people talk about, um, uh, seeing these light lights at night. And, uh, I know several very reputable researchers. In fact, uh, Mike McLean, who, who had the, uh, Alabama Bigfoot research forum, he was a very straight up, no nonsense, uh, no BS kind of a guy. And he experienced that and called me up and asked me about it. If I had seen anything exactly like that. And I had not, I have not seen the, uh, the, what he described it as was, was like, Red souped up lightning bugs, sort of, or, or fireflies. Is that sort of what you saw? Yeah, what I saw wasn't red, though. It was a different color. Yeah. But sometimes you talk to witnesses and they see red lights, they see blue lights, they see green lights. And there's a lot of people I've had on the show in the past who, again, it's not, it's always, it seems like it's separate from the Sasquatch phenomenon. It's It's a mm-hmm. separate issue. Uh, but uh, it still fascinates me, and I and it seems like every Bigfoot researcher, investigator, person I've spoken mm-hmm. to, I would say probably ninety percent of them have seen the lights, mm-hmm. but they don't talk about it. And I was, well, I wonder what the lights are. What what is it that people are seeing? Uh, because well, I can one tell of the things, one of the things it could be is um, there is one of our one of the one of the uh, person in the outlaw group has had a has had multiple torn retinas that that occurred in close proximity to Bigfoot. If you've ever if anybody's ever had an impact to their eye that you know that of sufficient sufficient uh strength that it you know could have damaged their eye, you've seen colors and flashes and such as that. I know I have. Um but it could very well be a a side effect of the you know the retina of the eye trying to you know the eye is resonating and and that's one thing that happens is when when something is resonating at its resonance frequency a small increase in the energy in the acoustic energy at that resonant frequency can cause a huge like an exponential effect in the resonating object it doesn't take much to make it start tearing itself apart and I believe that's what's happened where people have had, you know, retinal, retina separations uh, due to infrasound or large, you know, explosions or such as that. And obviously that would cause, um, you know, flashes of light, uh, things like that. Um, yeah, I got a video I need to send you. I'll send it to you. I'll send uh-huh. you the unedited version of it. But it was uh-huh. uh, me and Woody, we were driving up to an area where we had our encounter we were on a different road mm-hmm. and we just saw this 
I don't know how to describe it, just a ball of light. Actually, I didn't see it at first. Woody's the one that saw it. He pulled over, and then when I jumped out of the car, I was like giving him crap about it. I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, you've seen a light. And then when I stepped out, I was like, holy crap, there's a light there. And there was no reason for it to be there. There was zero explanation for it to be there. There was I couldn't even tell you exactly. It's just a ball of of strange light. Um, but not to switch gears on you, Kumba. I know you're not feeling. Well, I've got a, I've I've got a, uh, I've got a picture that's got a ball of light in the background <laughs> that that I took myself that I've always wondered about. I can share it with you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd love to see I've, it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's just in, in. I took a series of pictures in an area, and in one picture, back and back through the woods, there's a light. I didn't. I didn't notice it with my with my eyes. I didn't. I didn't see it, but it showed up on my on the film. Yeah, no, uh, the, the one that we saw, it was very visible. It was actually lighting an ambient light around the trees around it. It wasn't shining like a flashlight. It was very ambient like. Uh, but it, it just threw me off when I saw it. I was like, well, what is that? And, I, and I've been to that place a million times before, so I know exactly where the light was at. And it wasn't like in a place where that made any sense. It was kind of on the edge of a cliff over the Lewis River, and right there the Lewis River runs at like mm-hmm. 20, 30 miles an hour. And I say river loosely. It's more like a creek right there. But um, it, it it just threw me off. I, I really didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, so I was just kind of curious if if you had seen anything like that before. I've heard, like I said, I've heard of it, and I've got a I've got a picture that that this light showed up in that I've wondered, well, where did that come from? You know, what is yeah. that? <laughs> and it was taken with an old, with an older digital camera, and I was just wondering if it was a digital aberration or or what. But uh, but I've heard I have heard people talk about seeing lights out there in the in the in the woods at night, but I personally have. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the answer. And again, I know you're yeah. not feeling well. I don't want to keep you too late. But the other question uh-huh. I want to ask you is these roadside encounters. And here's what throws me off about the roadside encounters. And I've had a couple of them on over the last couple of weeks of, of people seeing these things run across the road. Have you ever thought about why the Sasquatch wait till the last minute to cross a road. I hate to ask you a question yeah. like the chicken crossing the road, but uh, for me, when I hear these encounters, and I believe these people, I mean, there's no reason not to believe them. Uh, it, it, when you hear the behavior of the Sasquatch, it sounds like they wait till the last minute and then they walk across the road when the car's right there. They don't wait for the car yeah. to pass. They walk right in front it, of it. Yeah, if you if you go back and look, and the, it's the size of them. Look at the reports. Rarely do they say that. Well, there was a there was a ten foot Bigfoot walked across the road in front of me. You don't hear that very often. Although we had a twelve footer try to run across the road in front of us at a, a down in Texas one time. But most of the time, I'd say ninety five percent of the time or better, it's a six to seven footer, maybe eight footer at the most. Yeah, you're right. It's the juvies. It's the juvies. They're counting coup. They're 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 daring each other. They're you know, hey Og, you ain't got a hair on your ass if you won't run across the front of this car. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that kind of a deal. Yeah, it's they they uh, they're they're doing it for entertainment. They're bored. They 
you know, they definitely do stuff like that just just to uh, to to yank our chains. Uh, that's that's my take on it. But yeah, you might be yeah, right. I, I agree. I've seen, you know, I've seen it happen too many times. But now, you know, occasionally we've, you know, you you'll hear you'll run into somebody that that will um, they'll see them. You know, there's enough reports of people seeing them out there chasing deer. You know that they see the deer running across, and all of a sudden, holy moly, here's a booger running across behind the deer. And but you know, there's obviously sometimes that the, that they don't see the deer, but they see the boogers. But they get they when they get focused in on their game, uh, you know, some kind of game they're trying to catch, um, they can sort of block out, uh, you know, approaching cars and such. But I think a lot of the stuff is that they uh, that they purposely uh, that it's younger ones. You know, daring each other, trying to trying to, in effect, count coup on us or or build up their esteem within the troop. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, I think you're yeah. right. Actually, most of the encounters I found on the show, people will say it wasn't that big. It was six and a right. half, maybe seven feet tall, and ran across the road. And I don't know right. that I've had. I mean, I'm sure the audience will correct me, but I don't know that I've had people that say it ran across the road and it was ten, eleven feet tall. Run across the road. Right. It seems like it was six and a half. Yeah, that's feet. rare. Yeah, yeah, that's that's extremely rare. And another thing that goes along with that, you'll hear people say that that hey, I, I was driving along and I came across one crouched on the side of the road. And then when they describe, if they describe it, how tall it is, they'll say, well, it was only like four and a half, five feet tall. Well, that's that's a, a young one, a really young one that got scared. And they're just hunkering down, trying to, you know, oh God, oh God, oh God, you know, let him go by, let him go by, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, they're scared, and they're and they're they're just they're just hunkering down, but there have, you know, I've read lots of reports of, you know, uh, driver of car, passenger in car spots Bigfoot crouched on side of road or something like that, and it turns out that that it's a, that it's a small one, you know, four four and a half five feet tall. But the but the ones that are running across the road, they're like they're like six, you know, six and a half, you know, seven, seven and a half feet tall. It's the juvies that are out there cutting up. I mean, think about it. that's what we used to do when we were kids. We would we would get in a in a brushy area on the road in a, in sort of a an out, out of the way place, and we would wait for a car to come, and we would jump we would jump out of the brush and run across the road in front of the car and dive into the brush on the other side and flatten out, you know. I mean, we used to do that just for something to do as kids, and you know, out there in the, where I grew up, I mean, we we did it, we did it dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I mean, there wasn't much else to do out there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it it does come down to uh, probably juveniles because right. the moment you said that, it clicked with me because you're uh-huh. right. The witnesses I've had on, uh, they tend to be a smaller creature than yeah. right. generally what they describe. I- I talked to a I talked to a female ranger in one of our larger, more well known national parks several years ago, and uh, one of our one of our outlaw members uh, was working up there at the time in, in the area as a sheriff's deputy, and uh, I was talking to this. She was uh, one of the rangers that hung around and worked this area around this very large campground. I mean, a big campground. One of the more popular ones in the national park, in that particular park, and she said they had, she said they had a bunch of juvie boogers 
that uh, juvenile, she called them juvenile delinquent boogers. That uh, Well, she didn't call them boogers. She called them Sasquatch. I got a bunch of juvenile delinquent Sasquatch that streaked the camp. And she said they come running through the camp, slapping garbage cans, slapping the sides of, of, of travel trailers and RVs, and hooting and collaring and making a big racket. And they'll... You know they'll come. They'll start over here and they'll run out over here, and you know, and then you'll hear them up in the up on the side of the hill, you know, cackling and carrying on laughing. And she said, then you know, wait an hour or so later, and he'll look here. They'll come back the other way, you know, doing the same thing coming through. And uh, you know, and said so they do it on a fairly regular basis. You know that you know they'll do that about every. Of course, as as the troop is feeding around. You know, about every week and a half, two weeks, it'll bring them back in the into that area, and that's when they get have have these, you know, juvie Sasquatch, juvenile delinquent Sasquatches uh, streak the camp. That's uh, interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's interesting behavior. I think you nailed it when yeah. you're talking about the one crossing the road, then these other ones running through the camp and hitting the campers, right. and it, maybe it's boredom. You know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting my son is coming to the uh is coming to this outing and, and uh <laughs> he's he's like six four and he wears like a size fifteen or sixteen shoe. And uh he's uh I'm thinking about getting him to, to streak the camp so people can see a Bigfoot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure no one's armed. No. Just kidding, just kidding. I'd never I'd never do anything that could be construed as a as a hoax. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I hear you. It's in good fun. I hear you. Yeah. Throw a throw a throw a, a cheap wig on his head and he can scare the bejeebers <laughs> out of some folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Tim uh, uh, Kumbo Baker, if you get a chance, uh, check out his YouTube uh, Bigfoot Crossroads. It's called the uh, Bigfoot Outlaw Radio. If you go to YouTube, just type in Bigfoot Outlaw Radio. It's Bigfoot Crossroads, but uh, you, you can hear them every week. Uh, they'll come on and and I enjoy the show. It's one of the few Bigfoot shows, as you 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 know. Uh, it's hard to find a good Bigfoot show out there that uh, it's yeah. not a lot of people patting each other on the back. And uh, but you guys mm. go into a lot of different topics, and uh, it, it's fascinating. I highly recommend it. If you go to YouTube again, it's Bigfoot Crossroads, Bigfoot Outlaw Radio. Mm. Uh, Mr. Tim Kumbo Baker. It's an honor having you on my 300 episode. I can't think of. Uh, anyone you'd be in my top two people i'd want on the show so thank you for coming on i appreciate that i appreciate that and i and i really i truly appreciate the invitation this is this is pretty this is pretty cool (laughs) yeah it was cool having you on thanks again tim yes sir thank you thank you very much and that's it for tonight everyone remember if you've had an encounter shoot me an email my email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com don't forget to check out the website sasquatchchronicles.com become a member help support the show Uh, you can also purchase merchandise a lot of cool things on the website if you get a chance check it out sasquatchchronicles.com until next time everyone have a great night 